All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your engine. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Ha <laughs> ha! The official mourning period is now over. I have declared it's over. The 24 hours have come. They've gone. We've sat there, licked our wounds a little bit. You get down in the dumpster just a tad or so there, Max. But what happens? You pull yourself out. You grab your boys and say, okay, you got Green Bay on the horizon. It's time we should start shifting that focus into what lies ahead and not what's behind. What say you, my friend? Yeah, no, I mean, listen, when you're driving a car, right? I'm not, I'm not driving looking through the rearview mirror. There's a reason why it's small for a reason. And why you got that huge windshield to see everything in front of you. That's what I'm doing. I'm on the freeway. I'm hitting the gas. That's what I'm doing. And I'm motoring towards uh, Milwaukee and Appleton and Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm going to get cheese curds. I'm thinking about that. All right. You know, I'm laughing. You're talking about the rear view mirror. One of the funniest stories I remember. You, got, you remember Gary Dunn? He was the official first nose tackle for the Steelers when we converted in, what, 82 or 83, something like that, Um, or in the early 80s or somewhere. When they shifted to a 3-4, he became um, the first official nose tackle. Not a stunt 4-3 nose tackle, but a straight-up 3-4. So he was telling me (laughs) he had a Jeep called Clyde, you know, and he was he's at the University of Miami, you know, in Florida, played down to oh, you. Yeah. Okay. So I guess something happened with the forward gears and none of the forward gears would work. So he had to drive around in reverse. Oh my gosh. Now can you imagine in a ragtop Jeep named Clyde, which is beat up a little bit, no forward exactly. gears, and you're pulling up to a, a red light, you know, next to somebody. <laughs> In reverse. You got no doors, no doors, no roof on the Jeep. (laughs) You got that right hand over the seat as you look over, you know. (laughs) And and the funniest thing about it was Dunny told me, he goes, I only spun out a couple times. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. So that's a good belly laugh to get us started, my (laughs) friend. But, you know, one thing about it, you don't have to that you don't have the time to sit and wallow in your difficulties. You've got to move ahead at some point in time. You have to shift your focus, and the focus needs to be about where you're going forward. And it starts with the self-assessment that comes with watching film, does it not? Oh, it absolutely does. 
your self-correction is the first step of the process because you've got to be able to watch and assess with a critical eye, right? What did I do? What did I put out there on tape that's going to be consumed by, by, the, by the opponent? Right. What are they seeing about me that I need to work on to make sure that that's not a liability when it comes game time on Sunday? And so that's the first step. And of course, today is treatment. Get the body right. Yep. <laughs> you got to get your body right. It's get and right then, day. And then prepare for what is on the precipice on Wednesday. Install day. Right? That's where you download all of the new info. Hopefully not that much new. Hopefully you carry some things over. But you start getting your first look at what we're going to do to take to Green Bay and what we're going to do against them. What are we going to combat against what they do good with what we have on our list. So that's where we're at right now. And I think, you know, for Steeler Nation, yeah, morning's done. It's no over. No more tears. No, no more, more tears. tears. There's no crying in football. Well, maybe a little. But, you know. There's, the fact, there's a smidge. There's, there's a smidge. smidge. There's but smidge. let me say this, Max. Let's not overlook the point you were just talking about, okay? So you've got a, a critical eye for self-assessment. And one of the things that you have to think about, all right, is how do you self-assess without trying to mentally run yourself down. You know, it's easy to sit there and go, yeah. oh, man, like one of my worst games ever, four holding calls. I mean, it was it was terrible. You know, it's just one of those days, and you have those, and, and throughout a career, when you, when you play long enough, you have those days. But to mentally overcome that, you've got to almost like disassociate yourself with what's going on and critically look – well, my hands got a little bit outside the bodywork frame in this. And the reason why was because my step was not correct from the very get-go. I put myself, all right, Kendrick Green. Kendrick Green got a holding call on what the first couple of series there. And one of them was yeah. a guy who was an A-gap over, and he was having to reach the guy, and the guy got out ahead of him on that pitch. So you've got to critically self-assess, okay, how can I help myself? Well, check your stance. Check your first step. Those are the things that you've got to do without sitting there going, oh, I suck, I'm terrible, I'm horrible, you know, da-da-da. You can run yourself down. That's not going to be helpful. You've got to overcome that and get a mindset of how do I move forward and get better. Yeah. No, it, it, it's all about when, you, when we say critical eye, it's what technically did I not do well? Right. Right? Was it a bucket? Did I, uh, did I understep, Explain did I the bucket underneath myself? Yeah. So a bucket step is where – if you're in a staggered stance, right, um, but in Kendrick's case, he's parallel because he's a center. A bucket is where you take whichever side you're reaching to, left or right, and you take the foot back and out at a 45-degree angle so that you position your hips to go towards the line of scrimmage up and out at a 45-degree angle, and you drive in that direction. So the bucket step squares the hips so that you can explode in that direction. When you step under yourself, is where you just pivot your foot. So, so let's say it's the left foot. Left foot's supposed to be going out and out, out and up. Right. And you just pivot in place. Now you put yourself behind the defensive lineman as opposed to gaining Absolutely. ground, so to speak, to set the angle. Gaining so ground is the key word that you're speaking right there. That's excellent. Yes. You know. So yeah. So don't pivot under yourself. Yes. Yeah, so don't pivot under yourself is the key. Okay. So, you know, when you do this in this sort of manner, this helps because then you don't run into all the negativity. You make it a positive experience where you can grow from it. Look, again, I have had conversations with my line coach after fairly traumatic moments in my career where you sit there and go, um, 
okay, I might not be employed much longer if I keep going. Like, I'm going to look back on this. Like my line coach said, you're going to look back on this in 20 years, and how you respond to this moment is going to determine whether you're a two-year or 12-year guy. Fortunately, the response seemed to be enough. I got to the double-digit years. But the thing about it is you can fall prey to that, you know, self-loathing, being mad at yourself for doing something wrong, and that can make you fall off or, you know, certainly your play will suffer for a period of time until you start to rectify it. Recognize it immediately, move forward, and try to take corrective measures immediately. Well, and get those reps in practice, after practice, anytime you get individual time. Work on those crafty technical things when you have the opportunity. I remember I watched as a rookie, Marvell Smith. Marvell used to sit afterwards. He he had this belt he'd strap around his waist mm-hmm. with a bungee cord, and Mar- Marcel Pasteur, our assistant strength coach, would sit there and hold the rubber band, and he would drive backwards on his pass pro sets to get his to get his legs strong enough so that he's always taking that big ground step as opposed to stepping under himself. Right. And he would do this crazy technique. I call I called it I called it the uh, the praying monk was what Marvell's pass set looked like because it was almost like a it was almost like a lunge and he'd have his hands out in front and he'd be moving his hands to make sure that he remembered to use them right you do all the things yep. you do. but he had one of the most unorthodox stances but he practiced and practiced and practiced that stance and that's the same thing that guys have to do so I started doing going out there and working on my footwork whether it was run blocking whether it was making sure I had that bucket 45 or making sure that when we were double teaming that I was taking my proper footstep and keeping with for my shoulder charge to knock the three technique onto the guard so I could work up to the to the uh, linebacker. These are all the things that you could do on your own or you pull your teammate that you're playing with and you say, hey, we need to work on this together. How are we going to pass off stunts? Bring a guy over and work on those after practice because you want to get the reps. The problem is in practices, especially now with the new CBA, you don't get as many physical reps. Yes. So you have to simulate that as much as possible on your own. That comes with a critical eye. Assess yourself and do that. Take the extra time. Take the extra minutes because it's going to pay off on Sundays. That's exactly the point. You know, I think in my own case, I remember one of the things I had to work on when I moved from guard to tackle, uh, punching a guard to me was was easy. You, you, I was like, you get like a cannon. You can lock in because we re, we would redirect at the point of attack. There was no um, sinking back. You know the vertical set and dropping straight back. We I sat on the line and I you know that was the phone booth right there. This is where it's going to happen. Boom, um, and so you could lock your you know lock your cleats in and just deliver just one heck of a cannon shot on the guy over you. That's not a big deal. The problem was when you go to tackle. That's not permissible. You can't stop your feet. And making sure that you, whenever you punch, you have to step. You've got to step. If you just punch and don't move your feet, you're already a step behind on that guy. You know, and so that was the yeah. difficulty for me. It was always about taking that extra step when I punch where at guard, it was, it's okay. Take that step, punch, lock in, boom, let him have it. But a tackle, it's a totally different animal. Yeah, you don't you don't get the bumper walls we call it, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the bumper I like that. The bumper walls, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's like how yeah. I, I needed the ball, you know? Yeah. Put up those yeah, bumper exactly. pads, you know? Throw throw the bumper pads in the alleyway. <laughs> no. It, but the problem is a tackle. Yeah, you do, you you have you are on an island 
once you kick out there, it's like two-way go. So you always have to keep what we call the half-man relationship. Yes. So you want to keep the, the defenders inside half on the outside half of you. Therefore, if you keep that much space with him, he can't get a two-way go. He has to continue to go outside. When you get parallel with that guy at the tackle position, that's when he has a two-way go, and that's when the inside is susceptible. So you always have to make sure that you're maintaining outside leverage on him or, or yeah, keeping him outside, with keeping his inside leverage so that he won't come inside. And if he does, it's into your body so that you can brace and then you're forcing him to go to the outside with his move set, which is where you want him to be because a tackle's responsible for the width of the pocket. Right. The centers and guards are responsible for the depth of the pocket. So right. meaning if Ben can stand, it can drive up into the lane to throw the football, and we give him the lateral movement from the left and right. Exactly so. Now let's take that and, and uh, t- let's take a look at Deontay Johnson. Think about what he did. You know, you remember last year in Buffalo, had a number of drops, got sat down, came back. You know, you, you'll have that. Now, obviously, he still had a few issues, but he we had to work mentally through this to be able to achieve and come back and do the things he needed to do this year, part of which was, uh, you know, uh, getting a tennis thing and, you know, catching, you know, tennis balls and stuff like that, which um, I don't know the whole deal on it because I never caught anything but a cold. But the the fact (laughs) is, you know, uh, for Deontay, it was his way of overcoming that mental block of having the dropsies. And you have to kind of, like, understand this is how the process works for each and every player if you're going to be in the league for a while. If you're one of those transient guys who are in and out, it's not going to happen because you're not going to put in the time probably. But for guys that are there who it becomes a career of more than three, four, five years, it's about making sure that you keep upgrading your skill set to the max that you can. Well, and I mean, <clears throat> I, I hate to be using this type of, um, an, um, I guess, assessment or acknowledgement, but at Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. his work ethic on the football field, Wolf, you've seen this first. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely maniacal and over the top. And you're like, how is Antonio Brown still good to this day? The dude works harder than any human being I've ever seen Yeah, when he gets on the practice field. Like, this dude catches everything. He hits the jugs for 150 balls to 200 balls every single day. So, why did he never have drops? Why was he so dependable? The dude caught the football all the time. All the time. And he started that from his rookie year first practice all the way to this day down in Tampa Bay. That's what he does. We can talk about him as a person off the field, whatever, on the sidelines. But when he was between those white lines, when he was when he was Antonio Brown 84 in practice, nobody could outwork him. And that's what made him so good. So that's where, not to say that everybody's going to be like that, but if you fall somewhere in between that, you're you're in the right direction, I think, for Deontay, right? Catching the tennis balls from the jugs, you know, from essentially a mini jugs machine, we'll call it, right? <laughs> it's just boom, 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 working on your hand-eye coordination because that's what it is. Wide receivers, hand-eye coordination. Where do I think the ball is coming? How do I catch that ball with my hands and not my body? That's the biggest thing that you have to be. You have to be a hand catcher, not a body catcher, and that's what you have to assess if you're at the wide receiver position. How do I catch the football? 
you know, you know just to be my, my special exactly. Skill? So we got one yeah. minute max, but I'm I, I'm going to extend it a little more. This is what else is happening. You know that that jugs gun became like a modern day karate. Uh, you remember how the guys used to punch their hands into a, uh, a thing of sand or of uh, yeah. you know little stones and that to strengthen their hands. Well, that's what the yeah. jugs gun became. And then think about it. You'd see. Uh, a B, he would catch the ball. Then he was practice quick to the tuck, catch and tuck, catch and tuck, so that it became yeah. that robotic thing, that thing that you'd do it in your sleep. And that's you know, for each and every player, there are things that you can work on that give the, those individual moments that you can achieve. Muscle memory. Muscle right? memory. Yep. That that's what you're trying to build. You're trying to build that biofeedback. Although I you would, I'll, at this point, I'll just I'm happy for any memory. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got to go to break. Max, great open buddy. Listen, we got Bob Labriola coming up next. From from uh, uh, he's Steelers historian. He is Steelers everything. Coming up, the great Bob Labriola. We'll be right back after this with Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room. ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. All right, yes. Nice walk-in music coming in. We got a little bit of a hungry heart. Hungry for another victory is what we're looking for, and let's please welcome uh, Bob Labriola, Steelers historian, Steelers digest editor, and game day contributor, and a guy that I got a lot of, a lot of respect for his football knowledge. Hey, Labs, how you doing, buddy? Hello, Labs. Are you there, bud? You there, buddy? Hello. Well, we're having a little trouble rousing the Bob Labriol here. I, we'll, we'll, we'll get to him because he's going to be here. Somehow we had a misconnection. You know, you get these things happening, Max, when, you know, you, you get the thumbs up or here, then all of a sudden it's not there. What are you going to do? You know, you got to yeah, keep exactly. it. You got to go. All right. I think we got him. Are you there, Labs? I'm here. Oh, beautiful. Okay, we go. We're all here. Good to have you, my friend. Good to be here. Good to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, Labs, I, I noticed one of your uh, one of your uh, people that, that uh, writes you all the letters on Asked and Answered, which I love reading all the time. Uh, for those that don't know, just go to Steelers.com, and there, there's some great stuff there. But I was really interested because we've all – Got to look, see at Najee. And one of the things I love about Najee is getting a look at him when he gets the ball in his hands with a number of touches. You can see where now the greatness is starting to emerge. Yeah, we got some issues with the running game. There's there's stuff, plenty of work there to be done. But by golly, when he that kid gets out in the open field, you can see that greatness starting to rise. Yeah, and, um, uh, you know, he's not Le'Veon Bell as a receiver, certainly, in terms of, 
uh, being able to run routes and, and, you know, make those kinds of plays as a receiver down the field. Uh, but you could throw it to him. He can catch it. And um, he's a load uh, for guys with the, uh, as they say, the smaller numbers. So um, I, you know, 14 catches um, was uh, well, the most by a Steelers running back in franchise history. It was um, uh, he, he fell short of AB's uh, all-time team record. But, you know, 14 catches, that might seem like a lot to people as opposed to how many carries. But, um, hey, if that's the way you got to get this guy the ball uh, to keep him productive, then do it. Exactly so. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think – but also I think w- the reason why you throw it to Najee is he, cr- he, he naturally creates space by having those swings and by having some of those routes on the outside, whereas, you know, we look at our receivers' labs and they're not creating the separation. You know, watching the game, I mean – there was no separation really between them. Everything was contested or tight coverage. There was no yards after the catch. I mean, in your opinion, as you look at it, I mean, is has this been something that we that you've seen since last year that's been an issue, or you know, is there something that you're seeing that they're just not doing to create the separation? I mean, we did have James Washington on that one, um, you know, nine route that was down the side left sideline. But other than that, you know, we didn't really see guys get separation in this game. Is that something that you've noticed as well? Well, I think that when you you look at, uh, you know, the makeup of the group, you know, one of the things that I remember from, you know, one of the pleasant things I remember (laughs) from the A-B days, you know, was that a lot of times um, the Steelers would line up um, a bunch of receivers on one side of the formation, and then AB would be alone on the other side. And I asked about that, and it was explained to me that when you line them line them up that way, the lone guy usually, you know, is one on one because the defense will, you know, kind of flow to the or uh, flow their uh, formation or their alignment pre snap alignment towards the side of the field where there are more eligible receivers. So um, you you put A.B. out there by himself because he had the ability to beat the corner off the line, create space for himself, and get open. I mean, usually, you know, unless the defense was doing something uh, extra special, um, he was then by himself. Uh, Now, the way it was explained to me was the only guy in the current group with that kind of ability is Deontay Johnson. Mm -hmm. Now, the other guys are all talented, but they bring different things, you know, to the table. You know, Juju's toughness, ability to, you know, catch balls in traffic, to bring down Claypool's, Chase Claypool's size um, and speed, that combination. You know, different guys have different skill sets. But when you're looking at for the guy, Max, that you were just talking about, to come off the line of scrimmage, win a one-on-one matchup and create separation, that's Deontay Johnson. He wasn't on the field. He was injured. And so uh, the Steelers had problems in that area. You know, it's interesting. That you, you, you think that you've got such good receiving talent, but you realize, again, what you're just saying right now is the specificity of having a guy that can run those arrow routes or slants, whatever you want to call them. 
you know, where that you can get inside position and catch it and go. And we know that Deontay has even had some issues himself with the drops over take last year and so forth. But it's funny with Chase on the same sort of routes, he did the same sort of thing, had some drops. It's not as easy as it looks. I would think I, I would hate to be on one of those things knowing that there is a safety over the top there somewhere that's screaming down on you as you're eyeballing that ball and hoping that it gets there before he gets there. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things, and I, I think that um, this also uh, shows itself uh, in the kinds of um, the areas of the field uh, where Ben either throws the ball or does not throw the ball. I mean, again, going back to the pleasant memories of the A-B days, right. you know, that third and 13, third and 15, I mean, he'd stick those dig routes, uh, Ben, I mean, um, you know, sometimes in the seam, sometimes to the sideline. Uh, you know, you don't see uh, the Steelers' offense working that area of the field as much anymore. Now, um, the uh, gut reaction to a lot of that has been, well, Ben doesn't have the arm anymore. Well, I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe not. But maybe there's receivers can't work that area of the field either. And, you know, maybe it's because guys aren't open in that area of the field. Or they're not there, you know, uh, at, the, at the time when those kind of routes have uh, those kind of passes have to come out of the quarterback's hand in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, I get it that that's missing from the offense, but I don't know that we know for sure the reason why or, you know, who's exactly culpable, um, you know, for that missing. Well, and, and I think, you know, when we're talking about just looking at the kind of total team effort side of it, I mean, I saw also in your answer and answered, about people crying for a change up of the offensive line. I know we have Zach Banner on schedule to come back this week. Well, he's going to um, be eligible to start practicing. Yeah, That's the whole thing. Eligible to practice. Eligible to am practice. I, hold on. Labs, am I right about that? Did I actually get something technified? Did I get it right? <laughs> well, he's he's eligible to, to practice, but, I mean, and if he's ready, ready, they can, you know, then he can come off and play. So, essentially, so Max was right, correct? And I just kind of jumped in when I shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever you say, Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Continue, Max. I apologize, my okay. friend. <laughs> All right. Uh thought. Yes, there it is. Um I found it. <laughs> caught it caught it like a fly. Um so now that we have Zach back, I mean, is this something where, you know, I'm not saying, oh my gosh, we need to throw Zach into the into the into the fire, but can he can he be utilized, I think, in some situations? Because we saw last week with Cincinnati, right? They brought in the jumbo tight end. You know, they had Isaiah Prince coming in there and playing that extra kind of sixth lineman in there. I mean, do you think this is something – is this something that Matt Canada has in his bag of tricks um, to bring out and kind of roll out this type of package to help with the run game? Do you think that helps in the run support? Because, I mean, you did have Joe Haig as a sixth tackle, but – Zach Banner's done this over his career. He's been the jumbo tight end. I mean, that's that's kind of where he made his hay um, initially on this team. Do you think that's something that he could possibly revive that role based on, you know, whether Chooks is healthy or not? Because I would probably put Haig in there since he's been active and been practicing up to this point. Yeah, I mean, that that's what I was going to say. I think the first thing, um, if you have Zach Banner available, um, the first thing that I would imagine they would want to decide is, Who's your starting right tackle? And then because uh, I think Chooks did some of that last year, 
as the extra or the jumbo tight end or um, whatever you want to call that position. So um, I, I would I would imagine that you know uh, job one or the most priority one is to figure out who the starting right tackle is. Then once you do that, then I think you look to see what you have left and then who might be available um, to you know fill that other role. Now whether that's in the offense or not, I don't know. Um, but you know it just seems to me that um, one of the things that I don't believe that is a good idea to get too caught up in at this point being one and two and kind of struggling on offense is uh, getting too caught up in what's in the offense and what is not. I mean, I think uh, the more important thing is what can work with the personnel that is on hand and um, what needs to be done, um, you know, to get that ready for the games because, um, you know, the schemes and all that stuff are great, but I mean, where we are now, um, you know, I don't think you can let the scheme get in the way of what you think you need to get done to be effective uh, on Sundays or Mondays or Thursdays, whatever it might be. So um, that's kind of the way I, I would look at it. Um, and I'm just, you know, I, I would imagine that that's the way the Steelers will approach it as well. You know, Lebs, one of the things you just mentioned was talking about the schemes, okay? And one of the, does it strike you that we're seeing sort of elements of both what we saw last year, the throw short, run long, and also the young gun that Ben was when he was a young guy. Let's face it, back in the era, uh, Bruce Arians era, there was a lot of the extending plays with your legs, be a gunslinger, get out there, make it happen. And then Todd Haley came along, and it was about like trying to uh, you know, increase Ben's longevity, keep him healthy, get the, rid of the ball faster. And it's almost like there were some times I felt like Ben is he's a little bit conflicted. He's like caught in between the the gunslinger that he once was and the throw short long guy, long guy, uh, throw short run long type of guy that he he was last year. And I just wonder if that's not creating some of those bad decisions we've seen him with the ball throwing a couple of times when you know you don't normally, you don't see that from him. This guy's a future Hall of Famer. This guy has got great abilities, and and you know I know that there's a couple bad decisions, but you know out of 58 decisions there, there were 38 right ones. You know, and I just wonder sometimes if he's getting caught up in between what you know his he was in his younger days and what he needs to be right now. Well, I mean, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I I I, I can't. I don't have the expertise to speak on that. I, I really don't. I think that, you know, what, uh, like Mike Tyson always says, Wolf, you know, you're familiar with this sport. Everybody right. has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, with, with, with the quarterback in the pocket, you know, he may have something in his mind when it starts, but, um, you know, if, if he's under pressure right now, uh, you yeah. know, after he receives the ball, or then, then you've got to figure something out. Yeah. Um, now, you know, I thought that uh, there were some occasions Sunday that he held the ball too long. But, mm-hmm. again, I'm just, a, you know, a, a slappy sitting in the press box watching this. I don't go to practice. I don't know what the what – the, or I don't understand, uh, you know, what the game plan is and those kind of things. So, um, I, I don't feel real comfortable speaking, you know, to um, who's at fault or, you know, whatever, who, who's thinking what – who's thinking correctly, who's thinking incorrectly. Uh, but I just don't know that if, as a quarterback, uh, with the amount of pressure that he has been under, 
the sacks and the hits he's taken through the first three weeks. We talked about the receivers and some of you know what Max said about uh, he didn't see a lot of guys open, not a lot of separation. Uh, I think those were all factors in some of the things we're seeing with the with the passing game. I mean, that's why to me, and this is not an original thought either. Um, you know, the Steelers maybe should start doing what other teams always did to their defense. You know, make make them uh, make the opponent uh, rue the fact that maybe they don't have a Devin Bush and a Joe Schobert, but they don't have a Minka Fitzpatrick or whatever, and make your tight end over the middle of the field, you know, a real pain in the butt for the opponent and make, you know, covering those backs uh, a real pain in the butt for your opponent. And, and do that, do that, do that until they just, um, I don't know, maybe lose their mind as I used to lose my mind <laughs> when I was watching <laughs> other teams do that to, to the Steelers defense. So, uh, you know, I understand that Friermuth isn't Travis Kelsey or Gronk or, those kinds of things, but I do believe that uh, seeing him play uh, and his ability to catch the ball and Najee's ability to catch and then do something with the ball once he gets it in his hands, um, you know, especially with the guys wearing the low numbers, um, you know, that to me would be something that I would try to explore. Um, I, I think I think you're on to something there, my friend. That is. Well, Hey, you know uh, what? We can have our theories, right, Labs? If you don't oh, have theories, I mean, what else you got, right? Because that, yeah. that's, that's, that's what we do. Well, if we don't know anything, <laughs> we just second guess. That's or right. That's, I'll, I'll speak for myself. Well, I can join you with that, okay? Because <laughs> if, if we ain't got theories and we, we can only, and can't second guess, then we might as well just sit around eating brownies all day, right? I mean, you know, a little well, cherry pie and everything else. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, Labs. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks, appreciate Labs. you checking in. Okay, fellas, have a good day. All right, thank you so much. That's Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola, Steelers.com contributor Bob Labriola, and all things Steelers historian Bob Labriola. Thank you for checking in. All right, we're going to go to break. Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room, ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Oh, yeah. Little Boss Tuesday. You got a little there something, Max, for us to just be make sure that we get our juices flowing and we start pointing forward. Hey, listen, it's all about just putting the hard hat on, grabbing that lunch pail, and <laughs> heading straight off to the plan and getting it done today. That's what we're at right now. It's a, it's a lunch pail type of day. Yeah. And who but... better to bring the lunch pail out than the boss? <laughs> <laughs> or a couple of hogs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
Exactly. All right, let's go to the phones. We got CR in Steelers Nation, Chicago. You're in the locker room, CR. How are you, my friend? Hey, what's going on, guys? CR still in Chicago. So it's good to hear you guys' voice, man. How you guys doing today? Fabulous. Fabulous. You're doing great, CR. Glad that you are here. We missed you yesterday. We missed you. Well, I was hey, like, wait a second. Where's CR at? Okay, on uh, Friday, you guys weren't on for the first hour, not on SNR. Cause I'm always on, man. I mean, I just like you. Like you, this is a job for you. This is a. <laughs> I'm a always on. <laughs> All right. And then, uh, yes, yesterday, uh, you guys weren't on uh, on SNR. I talked to the to, to one of the ninjas, and he said that you guys were on ESPN, but you weren't on SNR. You know anything about that? Do you, okay. I I can barely change a light bulb without <laughs> consulting a brochure. Okay, so let's yeah. get that straight. When you got any technical difficulties arising, don't ask me. I am the last yeah, to know that, anything. That, 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 hey, if the ninjas say it, that's what happens. Yeah, I have no clue either. Yeah, I, I just know to I don't know, hit, hit the know, on button. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, if you got people out there like me, man, we, you know, like, well, I'm definitely into it. Um, myself and Juan and maybe a couple of other people. You got people calling in from, from overseas, too, so, you know, we, we into your show, guys. We really appreciate you guys because we like the way you break things down and the way you – um. The way you talk about both of you guys were on the line. You know, you were in the trenches. So you know what you're talking about, and you're bringing in insight that uh, many people have no knowledge of. Well, um, thank you. We, so, we try to. Let me tell you that much. Yeah, thank you. No, okay, much well, appreciate it. Uh, my thing right now, man, is I'm kind of uh, uptight about um, what happened here. Um, uh, I, I can't pull up my stuff now. Uh, it was in the fourth quarter. It was like three-something three left in the game. It was a, a first and first and ten at the uh, eleven yard line, and uh, been through a uh, a little a dump out. Oh yeah, it was a fourth fourth down. Fourth been down. Been through yes. a little dump out in the flat to uh, to um, to Harris, and when Harris caught that, he caught it at the um, I think it was about seven eight yards behind the line of scrimmage. Anyway, he he went out um, out the side. And uh, the guys got the ball on turnovers. So um, I understand that uh, a lot of that stuff Ben has to do on his own, and a lot of it is called by by the people, um, in, you know, on the sideline. So I'm just concerned about about this whole thing right now. We know he can't move like he used to, and, and that's the, that's just a fact. I mean, he's a great guy and everything, but I think the system, you know, like this is the third season, I mean, the third game of the year, and we still got like 14, 13, 14 games left. But uh, I'm very, very concerned about where we're at right now. And I've been a Steelers fan since 1973. Uh, give me some expert comments, man, on the, on the depth of the team itself and where we're at right now. Well, okay. Max, you, t- you take first shot. You're a young guy, or you want the All old right, man to I, go? Yeah. All right. No, I, I got this. I got this. Okay. <clears throat> so – I think one of the big things. Wait a minute, are you stretching, Max? Are you, wait a minute, are yeah, you warming up and stretching? See, ah, yes. you can't do that. I mean, ah, what, did the guys at Normandy uh, did they stretch before they hit the beach? No way, baby. No, no, you know what they did? They just hit this real fast <laughs> and then they went to go. That was my version of that. I, I had to get, I had to hit the couple of our fathers and Hail Marys, but I'm gonna jump in. Um, I think the biggest thing when you first look at, you know, how this offense is deployed, I, and I posed this question to Bob Labriola. It's about wide receiver separation. Um, 
if you're going through the game, because obviously he had 38 out of 58, so therefore he could still sling the rock and he has good decision-making skills. But the biggest thing I think in this offense is when you're creating all of the motion, all the misdirection, trying to get a read on what the coverages are, sometimes you can psych yourself out with all those motions. And what Bob hinted to and what we've been talking about was the guy who is the separator when everything is playing press is Deontay Johnson. He right. wasn't out there. Yeah. And the skill sets did not match up in this in this game. And I think last game, you know, to really give you all those opportunities. Now, also, I will say this, you got to catch the ball because also at the end of that game, yeah. three straight yeah. drops in a row. Yeah. And that, mm-hmm. that's another opportunity that could have moved the ball fa- uh, further down the field had guys made the catches. I will give James Washington um, credit for separating on that on that nine route that broke away that Ben overthrew him on. But the fact that he was still able to overthrow James Washington means the arm talent is still there. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's another thing. But I think that's where the issue is, is that when you do get that separation, guys do have to make those catches, and they don't necessarily make those. Eric Ebron jumps up, it hits him in the chest and his arms, and he doesn't make that catch. He's trying to body catch the ball in those situations. Najee, Najee is a good receiver. I mean, we, we saw that he caught 14 out of 17, but those three that he missed that hit his hands, yeah, that was also crushing as well. So when you're looking at it, it, it Ben is still mobile enough to get the job done. I mean, I'm watching Tom Brady, and Tom Brady's mobile enough to get the job done as well. Aaron Rodgers is only a year younger than Ben. He's mobile enough to get it. So I think he still fits in that mold that he can get the job done. It's about the play selection, play call, and route running that allows guys to get open that makes it a little bit easier on him because when every throw is a tight throw, that's tough to do that 58 times in a game. I mean, I don't. the only time he didn't have it was on the swing routes to Najee. Because Najee was behind the backfield and a linebacker is never going to commit across the line of scrimmage to a guy running towards him, right? You're always going to get mm-hmm. depth. So that's what created yeah. those open pocket situations. So I think it's more schematics than anything else. And I think Ben can hold up, but the run game also has to complement that so that we can utilize play action as well. Because that's another thing. Guys are going to play and put their nose in to see if it's a run. And that can also create the separation. But if you don't have that run game, you don't have that element, and you're expecting Ben to manufacture it from a shotgun, then it's yeah. a fool's folly to expect them to have great success. So a lot of things have to go together to make this puzzle kind of work and show you the picture that you need to see. Hey, Max, I really appreciate that, man. You laid that out very smoothly, very easily. Uh, you didn't rush it. You're very technical in, in how you spit it out there. Uh, but my concern with, you know, to both of you guys is that, you know, the the season is getting late. I understand that this is still the first quarter of the overall season, first quarter plus one now. But, you know, we have to have something going on by the end of this first quarter. If not, then I really feel bad for, for, for our future. Uh, uh, now is not the time to doubt, CR. You got to buckle down. And, I, and this yeah. is what I keep telling people. Look. I have been through miserable starts. I remember when we were uh, one and seven at the turn. That was what eighty-eight. That was misery, sheer misery. That season could have been lost were it not for what basically was Chuck Knoll saying, "Look, at fellas, there ain't, there, there's nobody changing anything. What's worked has worked before. It will work again. Mm-hmm. But it takes buying in and full on. Are you in? Are you out? Execution." 
and you've got to decide. And that goes each and every day with everybody coming in. Okay, let's get back to working. The work starts uh, tomorrow. Well, actually today for yeah. Green Bay, but tomorrow is when they start putting the not not the pads essentially, but the shells. Helmets, 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 they, they helmets, helmets, whatever. They do wear helmets out there. That's they the one do. thing we can guarantee. So, but, you know, and I, I get, you know, everybody's trepidation, but there's no time to worry about it now. I mean, you've got to forge forward and go and, and just got to believe. Stay strong okay, and believe, okay. man. I'm, I'm going to get out of here in a second. But what I'm going to do every day for the next two weeks, I'm going to play the 1976 Steelers uh, tape. And listen to Jack Lambert explain uh, how we set out, uh, you know, how we did that that particular year. So if you guys don't know about the 1976 Steelers, everybody out there, you need to go check them out, and hopefully that'll give us some inspiration. I'm gonna get out of here, guys. Thank uh, you so, so much, hey, guys. In the meantime, and in between time, here we go, Steelers. Here we go. Thank you so much, Cr. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks, CR, appreciate you coming. As always. In. And right before we go to break, Max, I really believe that uh, that fourth and one. Uh, fourth and 11 whatever it was to um Najee I thought I thought it was just supposed to be some linemen out front you know I thought you know yeah. in retrospect I heard after it was supposed to be some sort of screen so however bad it looked if there was a miscommunique um that would just pile on to the misery that was uh, this last Sunday with the Bengals yeah, listen, just, just throw another coal in the fire at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right. That's the first hour of In the Locker Room with Starks and Wolf and the Ninjas. And we'll be back after this ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio.